0: Good morning good people. My name is Nikki and I'm your host of the Black Girl Budget Podcast. The Black Girl Budget Podcast has an international audience with listeners from South Africa, Canada, and Jamaica to name a few. Welcome to season five where I'm giving you all the tools you'll need to prepare yourself for your 2023 financial goals. With over 46,000 downloads of the Black Girl Budget Podcast, the community is growing and I'm glad you're here so let's chat. Now, first and foremost, uh, happy Mariah Carey Month to everyone because we all know that December is Mariah Carey Month. Um, December definitely ran up on us like we stole something. So maybe it's just me. I don't know. But um, I feel like we got to December very aggressively and very fast. Now, last month, I took some serious time off and I am excited to be back with you all and preparing for our 2023 goals. So the newsletter did go out. Today, this morning, actually, and not too much, not too much, but I did give you all a few tips for the month of December as we roll into the new year. And then there is also a holiday discount in the newsletter as well. So make sure that you grab your budget blueprint and the how to budget course so you can end and start your year. Off on the right foot. Now, before we actually get into today's topic, can we just talk about some of the things that are happening in the world? And by the world, I just mean Miami because Art Basel is in Miami Beach right now. And it's actually getting quite a bit of buzz this week because of an installation called the ATM Leaderboard. If you're not familiar with Art Basel, it takes place on like five different continents and it shows the works by masters of modern and contemporary art, as well as a new generation of emerging stars. Now, this ATM leaderboard was created by a Brooklyn art collective that goes by MSCHF. And it is the group's latest work. It is also popping on Twitter. I can't speak for Instagram and TikTok, but the girls are loving it on Twitter. So what the ATM leaderboard is, it's a working ATM that displays the cash balances of anyone who uses it. And it is to be displayed to everyone who is at Art Basel or who comes throughout the time the ATM is there. Now the ATM is going to rank each, user's, uh, each user according to the balance of their bank account like an arcade game almost. So you got first place with the highest balance, last place with the lowest balance. Now, the crazy part about this, and I think this is really what is getting the people going, is that the rankings also come with photos of each person that's taken by the ATM. So if you use the ATM, the ATM has a camera. It's going to take a picture of you and your picture, your face, and the balance of your account are going to be displayed at the top of the ATM once you use it and if you have that number one balance. Now, the current leader of the ATM leaderboard has an account balance of $2.9 million. Yes, yes, I said that right. $2.9 million. Second place, can you guess what their balance is? no <laughs> the second place balance is three hundred thirty three thousand dollars and then last place has a balance of zero dollars that is a significant gap between first and second place and an even bigger gap between first and last place so i think what was most shocking to me was that someone would have 2.9 million dollars and or three hundred thirty-three thousand in their checking account Now, of course, we don't know their situation, so we're not going to judge. Maybe they just got paid. Maybe they just made a financial transaction or something. But I will say this, though. Invest your money. I can't think of too many reasons why anyone would need that much money in their checking account. And so I want you all to remember, like the interest you get back on a checking account is not that significant. So use your high-yield savings account. Use your IRA, your 401k, brokerage accounts, whatever you got. But make sure that your money is working for you. Now, needless to say, the ATM leaderboard was actually sold for $75,000 and I believe it is going to be displayed somewhere in Miami. Now, in other news, if you have not grabbed your copy of Essence Magazine for November, December, I'm going to need you to do that because Angela Bassett's Beautiful face is on the front of it Um, and it's almost not almost it is like a comic photo of Angela and it's gorgeous She's gorgeous. She's got the fountain of youth and we all need it one thing that Angela talks about in this essence uh, copy is that um, What she really considers to be luxury now, of course when I read this on the front page I thought well, yes, I have to share with the BGB community like what Angela Bassett thinks is luxury and then I read it and I was kind of like guys where's the rest of it that's it <laughs> so in the article Angela Bassett actually says that what she considers to be the soft life is having the ability to get up every day and to act as an actress and to have work that she enjoys doing now at first I was like Angela girl okay like where, where is Issa Rae I need Issa to come tell me about something because y'all, y'all know Issa Rae will let us know what it is um And Ash actually pointed that out to me. She was like, now, you know, Issa Rae would have been like, let me tell y'all, what's luxury, luxury. But I thought about it and I was like, you know, Angela actually has a really good point, right? Is that she gets to wake up every day and do something that she loves to do. And she gets paid for it. And there are not a lot of us out here who are doing that. So yeah, on some level, we could consider that a luxury or we could consider it the soft life as angela categorized it but i think it is important for us to recognize that what's luxury for some people is going to be different for others what's the soft life for some people will be different for others as well but needless to say i hope that each and every one of us knows what we consider to be luxury and that at some point in time we get to experience that on our own so Pick up your Essence magazine and read the article about Angela Bassett. (laughs) Now, today's topic, we are talking about time, money, and emotional management. We are going to be discussing this with Dina Kennedy of Kennedy Dean Coaching and Dr. Linnell Plummer of Onyx Therapy. Now, this is a topic that we discussed during Onyx's mental wellness series in November, and I thoroughly enjoyed this discussion in this season we're focused on the tools we need for the new year so i really want you all to listen to dina about time management She gives practical tips for how to approach time management and the importance of time management. So I want you all to take some notes on this episode and remember that these are going to be really helpful as you start your new year. When you're focused on your goals, you also want to incorporate time management. A lot of us feel like we are either running out of time or we're misusing our time and we're just procrastinating a lot of things. So this is a really good episode to get us on track and to start us off in the new year. And I look forward to your comments and I'll talk to you guys next week.
1: celebrity like
2: and stuff where's the panel at come on up here y'all let's get started thank you for y'all to y'all for um being on time you know it's sunday and we black people so we hear people running a little late but we're gonna get started and have a good time let me give you guys your mics so this topic has been these particular topics have been really important to me um As a therapist, and we spend a lot of time with our clients talking about managing different parts of their life experiences, right? And a lot of times folks come in and they're thinking about, like, how do I manage a specific mental health issue, like depression and anxiety? But sometimes forgetting that there's normal day-to-day root issues that ends up um, affecting those things. When our money ain't right, we ain't right. Right. And when we're not managing our time appropriately, then we feel overwhelmed and we feel stressed and then we take it out on people and our communication goes bad. Right. And our problem solving skills go bad. So I was like, what would happen if we just spent some time talking about some of our normal day to day experiences as a matter of prevention into mental health illnesses and issues? Right. So this particular panel is about prevention. Right? Like managing certain things. Managing our money. Managing our time. Managing our emotions so that we show up as our full selves. So I'm super excited to have Nikki with us. And she's going to introduce herself. And also Dee with us. And she's going to introduce her- herself as well. And by coincidence, we realize that we are all members of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. <laughs> so, so super cool. <laughs> Clearly, we got some AKAs in the building, too. I did allow them to have a little meet and greet beforehand so they could, you know, they could be together so they could have camaraderie because it is all crimson and cream here today. Um, so before we get started, uh, thank you again for coming. You may have seen that on Monday, we changed our flyer a bit. We were supposed to have an additional panelist in Prasad who is my personal uh, financial advisor. Super close and important to me, the one who I was probably the most vulnerable about when it came to money and generational, building generational wealth. I'll talk a little bit with the panelists about the fact that I grew up in poverty, so even the concept of having discretionary funds to invest was its whole own thing. Like, wait, I got extra money and wait, What am I supposed to do with this and what is this concept of generational wealth and how do we really do it? And Ian at 31, which is when I met him, was gentle in guiding me through that process because there's sometimes a lot of shame when it comes to money. Right. And he was gentle and caring and loving. And as we got my finances in order and, you know, my, me And my, and then blending me and my wife together, then we were able to start talking about what financial advising looks like for my children who are 18 and 15 now. And so i was super excited to have Ian here today because he's young and vibrant and he has all this wealth of knowledge when it comes to financial advising. And um, last Sunday, somebody took his life. And so I struggle this week. Be patient with me, guys. I struggled this week about whether I would continue to have this event because I wanted him to be a part of this event. And I wanted you guys to meet him and learn from him and engage with him. Um, And so I struggled. And then I started thinking about who he is and the legacy of who he is and how much he wanted black people to pay attention to their money and to invest in their money and to pay attention to their time and to love on themselves and their families in those ways and building generational wealth. And so it was through that that I decided that we would continue to have these events today. And in in as much we are honoring in um, here. And so in my spiritual practice of Ifa, we believe it's important to have a picture of the person who has uh, ascended as well as burning a white candle and having a Florida water out, which is our tribute to him, but also asking our ancestors and our guides to lift him up back to our ancestors. And so that will be burning in his honor. Any donations that you all give today will be going to his family, as well as his honorarium box and the pictures and the recording of today as well. So that is why his image was not removed from the flyer, but why I wanted to spend a little bit of time just honoring his presence today. So if we could just take a moment and honor Ian. And during this same time, um, honor, honoring our ancestors who brought us here to this space today. We get to say we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. So even the fact that we get to have these conversations is wild and fun. So let us take on this spirit of being grounded and being our ancestors' wildest dreams and learning more about tips and strategies and sources from these wonderful experts who, again, are members of DST. <laughs> let's start with nikki go ahead girl good afternoon everybody
1: Hello.
0: Hello. okay all right What well, can we try one more time good afternoon everybody Okay, all right. I like it. So my name is Nikki. I am the founder and CEO of Black Girl Budget. I'm the founder of the Black Girl Budget podcast, which is streaming on all of your favorite platforms, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Google it. It should pop right up. Um, I love talking about uh, finances and specifically with your budget being the foundation of your finances, and I'm dedicated to teaching black women, although everyone is invited, uh, how to budget, how to finance, and how to really get that financial success that you Envision for yourself because remember, financial success uh, success looks different for everyone, right? It's going to look different for me, it's going to look different for Dee, and it's going to look different for each and every one of you. Um, So I'm very excited to be here. I'm so excited that Dr. Plummer invited me, and I can't wait to talk
1: about budgeting and finances. Good afternoon, everyone. I am Dee, or Dina Kennedy. I am the CEO of Kennedy Dean Coaching, which is named after my grandfather. My parents were lazy. His name was Dean. They added an A. You got Dina. Um, So in honor of my ancestor and being his wildest dreams, I named my company after him. Um, I'm also a Ph.D. student. I study I.O. psychology. I am a life coach. Um I specialize in leadership coaching, organizational coaching, and I am excited to be here to talk to you about how you're managing your time today. Yay!
2: <laughs> so let's jump right into it. Also, We're going to have this panel discussion, and then I think Jess mentioned we're going to have some breakout groups, right? So that way you can ask some more specific questions to your personal experiences um, and goals as well, right? And then here's some other additional tips that they have that they've organized for you. And me too. I'm going to lead one of the breakout groups on emotional management, y'all. Y'all didn't seem excited. Okay, Thank thank you. (laughs) So let's get into it. So we recognize – that time is valuable, right? Like we are talking about the fact that many of us have a lot more flexibility in our schedules these days, right, in terms of um, we're not necessarily always working nine to five in an office. Sometimes we're nine to five at home and that allows us to do other tasks and responsibilities. Some of us are pursuing side businesses and side jobs outside of our normal work. Some of us are raising families or being married, or being unmarried, because sometimes people need to be, un- You, I was talking about the fact that sometimes we need to be out of these relationships, but that's another panel. Uh, so Dee, I wanted to ask you, what are some ways and tips and tools that people can use to better identify their responsibilities, their quality of work, and how they can just
1: purely manage time? Okay, okay. So responsibilities is a big word, right? I actually don't like it when I'm coaching. I like to go with goals and outcomes because a lot of times we take on responsibility for other people, which we cannot influence or manage, and other things that we have nothing to do with, right? So I start by looking at goals and outcomes with my people. So I'm going to start. Tell a story. When I was a baby lieutenant, I had this opportunity to meet with this general, right? One star general. If you don't know, I'm like a private, he's like an executive. And so he had a rule that whenever you came into his office, you had to identify what you were going to talk about. He had this big oval table in the middle of his floor with a glass, uh, you know, the glass covering. Under the table, there were circles. Each circle represented a part of the company. Each circle represented a strategy and an outcome that he needed to complete. If you scheduled a meeting and you came into that office and you could not point to the circle you were talking about, he would turn you around and send you back out the door. So I like to tell my clients to manage themselves as if they were small businesses. If you can't point to the circle that this particular thing has to do with, then you need to make some decisions about whether or not you should do it. So if it's hanging out with your friends, if it's building community, does that directly tie back to your goals? Does it directly tie back to the time that you're spending? Remind me of the other part.
2: (laughs) I think that was good right there, but I was I was also talking about the responsibilities piece because I, I recognize that a lot of times in this day and age we we feel like we have a lot on us, and and sometimes we do actually have a lot on us, and people are struggling with prioritizing that, right? And so, like you said, hanging out with friends, people might end up spending six hours on a Saturday hanging out with friends, which is wonderful. And then later, they're frustrated that they didn't do planning for the next week, right? And so how do we manage that? Because hanging out with our friends is filling our soul. And planning out for the next week allows us to be relaxed or organized. Like, how do you figure out with your
1: clients which is a priority for time management? Right. So I ask my clients to do a time audit, a time audit and an energy audit. First, I want you to look at your time. Regular week, how you're spending all of that time, what are you doing in the morning? Are you a morning person? Are you an afternoon person? Myself, I'm neither. I'm a midday person. When I get up, I need about an hour till I'm good. Between 7 and 2 o'clock, I'm rocking. Synapses popping. I'm answering questions, doing all the big things that I need to do. By 2 o'clock, I start to wane. So you need to know that about yourself. You need to know where your golden hour is, what part of your day is going to have the most energy and the most impact in the things that you need to do. Clearly, you need to plan before. When you wake up, you need to have a, goal, a plan on what you're going to do for the rest of the day. The other thing is a time audit. Look at what your average day looks like. A lot of people wake up, meander through the house, they might go to the gym, sit down, and do a little work, get up, do another task, but you have no idea how long it takes you to accomplish things. So, writing down how long it takes you to accomplish those things, looking at what is the thing that needs the most cognitive attention, the most physical attention, the most emotional attention because all of that impacts your energy and then scheduling your day around aligning those two things between time and energy.
2: So are you using like, when you say write down, are you telling people to literally write down? Are you telling them to use their imagination? Are you telling them to like organize it in their head or do you want people to write it
1: down? and put it somewhere, post it somewhere. Like, what, what does that mean? Literally write it down. Write it down in a journal. Write it down on a post-it note. Myself, I have one of those beautiful cylind- cylindrical, um, what do you call it, lamps. Up in the top of the inside of that are my notes of the things I need to do. They're all my notes of what I need to do for the day, what I need to focus on, what my goals are. You know, I have notes to myself like, are you working hard for yourself today? Are you building community today? Are you being resilient? Are you being inspired? Are you inspiring people? And so when I get frustrated and I'm at my computer because I work from home on my 9 to 5 and I'm chilling away and somebody irritates me, the first thing I do because I'm also spiritual is I look up. And it's right there. I see it. And it immediately refocuses me back to what I need to do and back to my goals and back to my circles on the table and how those things align. So write it down. Tell somebody. Tell a friend. Friends aren't always the best because, you know, they, they, you know, they. Don't look at me, yo. <laughs> what the hell? Why you look at me? Your friends feed into your stuff sometimes. I am privileged enough to have the great doctor as a friend, so most of the times you keep me straight. But get a coach, get a therapist, get a good friend that just knows how to listen, because sometimes that's all you need is to just, you know, unload what you're carrying and they can listen and not. Always, you know, give you that extra, girl, you better feedback back, because you know how we do sometimes.
2: And again, this
1: this topic may sound like real
2: high level, like what the heck, right? But so many times I get clients in the office and they're just completely overwhelmed. And sometimes the easiest tool and technique is to just sit down with their calendar, all right? Let's prioritize. Let's plan this out. Let's do this. Because, again, without that time management, I find them snapping at people. I find them frustrated with people. I find them not using the, t- the tools and techniques that they've already learned in counseling. And they're like, I just, I just got so overwhelmed, so I didn't do what I know I'm supposed to do. And a lot of that is because of their management of time and their ability to prioritize. Even coming out here today, there were probably things that you had to sacrifice in order to be here, right? Like sleeping in or going to a different brunch or finding a babysitter. Shout out to my LS that just walked in. Hey, girl. Um, and all of the things. But sometimes it's important just to have a lock on that time. What are you doing with your time? Are you actually sitting and studying your time? Let's talk, Nikki, a little bit about this money thing. Yes.
0: I get a little scared.
2: Don't, don't, don't ever be scared. Of, it's your money. So don't ever be scared of your money and your finances. So go ahead. Let me tell you why I'm scared. So I told you guys a few minutes ago, I grew up in poverty. So when my mom started budgeting, she wasn't budgeting because we had all this extra money. She was budgeting so we could have money to eat, right? So she's like, I'm going to pay this bill this day, and I'm going to do this this day, and then that's going to let us get some groceries this way. So I had in my mind that you only budget when you don't have a lot of money, right? Like you budget so that you can find a way to eat, not that you budget just to budget. Um, and then I started doing some research for this particular panel, and I was like, I wonder how many people are still living in poverty versus not living in poverty, because we have all this discretionary funds now. And then the government keeps telling us there's more people above the poverty line and things like that. And I was like, where is that information coming from? The U.S. Census said that in 1982, 34 percent of black people were living in poverty, 34 percent. And in 2020, 19 percent. So that was a big jump of people no longer living in poverty. When I did the actual calculations, that came out to about 3.6 million people. So there's about 3.6 million of us who are living above the poverty line and have discretionary funds versus our parents who educated us on money who were below the poverty line. So we are actually breaking a cycle as a generation and we have all this discretionary funds but don't necessarily know what to do with it. Because when you continue that research, we are also living in a lot of debt, specifically credit card debt. So we have a whole lot more money, we're breaking cycles, but we're still finding ourselves living in debt. How do we address that? In May, I had a conversation with God where God was like, you're going to sit down and budget. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that, Slim. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to use these cards, and I'm going to pray for the best, right? And God was like, well, I ain't going to give you the best if you keep using them cards. And I was like, you know, don't don't try me, God. I don't know why I thought I was better than God. So he he, he sat me down for a minute. So then I started budgeting and started realizing how good it felt to budget. But it was also very scary for me to budget because there was a couple months where when I was budgeting, I realized that I was in the negative. You're going to keep on doing all this stuff. You're going to be negative $300 this month. I was like, ooh, I don't want to do that, right? So you got to measure things out. So when I was thinking about that, I was like, who can I bring in that's going to talk about money and make it reasonable for us as black people where we're addressing our mental health thoughts about it? We're addressing our past traumas about money. You know, we're planning for the future. And then when we found Nikki's website, I was like, Ooh, she said we could live a good life and be on a budget. Yes, ma'am. So I was like, come on, girl. What's good? So what's good, Nikki? Good afternoon again, everybody. Um, so first, I do
0: want to go back to something D said about writing it down. I don't care what your goal is, whether it's time, money uh, management, emotion management, do not sleep on the power of writing something down. Once you see it in front of you, you start to visualize it. It makes such a big difference. And a lot of us are probably imagining that we're budgeting in our head, but we're really not. We're just like, okay, well, I know I got paid. This bill came out. The, the All the things I need to survive have been paid. Now I'm about to go blow it back, right? Most of us are probably doing that in our head. And we're guessing, okay, well, I know I checked my bank account two weeks ago. I have about $600 left. I I think I swiped four times. Maybe I got about four hundred dollars left. And so we're doing mental gymnastics trying to remember what we pay for. i trying to remember what did I swipe, how much did I swipe, when did I swipe, but because we didn't write it down, we don't actually know. So our finances do become scary because we're winging it. We're not actually setting goals for ourselves and saying, I'm going to be intentional about my money because money is a tool. Money is just another resource to get us to where we want to go. And so when we start winking our finances, it does become scary. So don't sleep on writing it down. And I do believe we have a vendor in the back who is selling notebooks. Okay. All right. Amen. Amen. Grab you a notebook. I believe it says funny acting black girl and we funny about our money. Okay. So don't sleep on the fact that you should be writing stuff down. Now, when we go to, um, I like to talk about the myths of money and, um, I am going to plug myself real quick. I just released a course called the how to budget course. I talk about eight different myths in this course because they are very common. One of those myths is I don't need to budget because people who budget are either low income living in poverty or, or are broke. Furthest thing from the truth. If you think that millionaires and billionaires are not budgeting their money, you are sadly mistaken because, in order to retain wealth and keep wealth and create it in the first place, you have to manage your money. And so, there is no difference between budgeting and managing money, they are both the same thing.
2: And it's so, go ahead ahead now. I used to be a (laughs) poet now. (laughs) All right. And it's it's crazy because I run Onyx, right? So I budget for Onyx all the time, and that was nothing. I was like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. But then when it came to the personal piece, it was overwhelming. And I saw some of you guys, like, nodding your heads and things like that because – It can get scary. What's another one of those myths? Don't tell us all because we're going to sign up for the course. But I'm like, I want to know another. Once you purchase the course, you download it. It's on demand. You can watch it on your phone,
0: your laptop, www.blackgirlbudget.com. Now, back to the question. So there are eight myths. One that is also connected to that is uh, two. I'll give you two more. So another one is I don't need to budget because I don't make a lot of money. So I get clients and I get people in my DMs who are like, girl, I don't even make money. So I just don't budget at all. You should be budgeting. You are like prime candidate for budgeting. Okay. And then on the opposite end of that, I got a new client a couple weeks ago. She said, I don't budget because I make too much money. Now, to be fair. This is making a lot of money. I saw the numbers myself. I was like, mm, yeah. But she's also a prime candidate for budgeting because she does make a lot of money. So with both of those myths, if you don't make a lot, it's actually easier for you to spend because you're so stressed about not making money. You don't even think about it. You just go shopping. You're like, you know what? I'm stressed about money. I'm going to just go spend and shop and brunch and whatever. And when you make a lot of money, you think, I have so much money. I don't even need to worry about it. I'm going to go spend and shop and and so you get the same mindset from both people on two different sides of the spectrum so there are a total of eight myths that i walk you through um you'll see my face the entire time of the course but it's important to understand the myths about money and which myth is affecting your money because once you figure that out then that's where you start that's how you start to create your foundation how can i debunk this in my mind and really start to be serious
2: Yeah. And one of the things that came up for me with that is I saw my kids swiping their cards a whole lot. And I was like looking at their accounts and I was like, man, I think I forgot to teach them something. Right. But it meant that I had to go back and think about myself. Like, what am I not currently doing? D, I want to talk a little bit about that time management thing again, because you're talking about writing things down and planning things and forecasting. And sometimes we get that time management on a lock. We're like, okay, I'm going to do this from this time to this time. And I'm going to spend this amount of time with these people and this amount of time on this new project. And, you know, and we got it right. We're organized. And then. We do the extra step of communicating that with people, right? We say to people, hey, I don't have time this particular weekend because I need to work on this, but can we spend time over here? Or please respect my time management boundaries, right? Like we do the extra step. And still sometimes people cross those boundaries. What do you say to your coach and clients who are managing their time? Who are communicating about their time management, who are having those difficult conversations around time management, and still yet, other people, external people, are crossing their boundaries when it comes to time and asking for more time than they know the person actually
1: has to give. Right. So, you know, stick firm to your, ba- your boundaries. Come back to your circle, you know, the little circles, the bubbles on the table. Make that alignment. Again, recommunicate. Tell the person that you appreciate them. Be clear about the time that you have to spend with them. Build anticipation around that time. So, if it's your spouse, hey boo. We're going to hang out on Friday night. I got this plan. We budgeted our money so we get to go buy bottles. You know, whatever it is. Build that anticipation. Think about how they're going to receive the communication that you just don't have certain time. I also like to tell people to use this very simple management technique, situation, behavior, impact. Explain the situation Talk about the behavior and tell them the impact it has with you. So you're communicating yes, I spent this hour, four hours with you, but now I got to rush to pick up the dry cleaning. I got to cook dinner. I got to balance the books for my business. I got to do all of these things. And now I'm stressed up, stressed out. It's late at night, and don't touch me. I bet that'll change their minds <laughs> if it's a spouse. Girlfriends are a little different. But you have to communicate the impact that it makes on you when you're rushing, when you've, you've busted your boundaries, if you will, to that person. And I take it
2: a step further and say, and to communicate the impact it has on them too, right? Yes. Because if yes. you keep crossing my boundaries, I'm going to break up with you. No, I can't break up with I love you, babe. Um, but sometimes it'd be like that, right? Like they keep crossing those boundaries and you're doing a really good job and they keep challenging you when it comes to that time. Nikki, I had another question for you real quick, and then I want to take some questions from the audience as well. So remember we were talking about this budgeting and I was like, sometimes you budget and you realize you're coming up short. You realize that you have this pot of money that's coming in as your income and these amount of expenses. And it's more than just your bills. It may be that you have three birthdays of people that are important to you and they're coming up. And while you may not buy like elaborate gifts, just showing up means that you have to pay for a drink or you gotta pay for a meal or whatever the case may be. What happens when you are doing your budget and you realize that you keep coming up short? Like, of course, the obvious answer is, well, something has to give but that becomes difficult how do you manage and work with your clients who lifestyle is more expensive than the actual money they come that they have yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, we got the amen in the back. Okay. Um, So, again, and this is not actually to plug the course, but this is what I talk about in my How to Budget course. Um, There are several reasons that people find themselves coming up short. The number one reason that I found with clients and people who just DM me in general is that their lifestyle is here. And their income is somewhere down here, right? Sometimes um, um, income be down here, and the lifestyle's up here. So really, is that whatever amount of money we're making, we just simply can't afford the lifestyle that we wish we could afford, right? And you might be living it, and your credit card might be living that lifestyle. But the first thing I always find is that people are typically spending more than they can afford to spend. The second thing is the cost of your living is more than what you can afford. This typically comes in the form of housing, right? You should not be spending more than 50% of your income on your housing.
2: And Wait, 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 hold on. Does that include... so? Does that include your utilities, too, or does that just include your rent? Great question.
0: So when we talk about housing, we're talking about all-inclusive HOA fees, housing, if you got to pay for parking, utilities. Because if you think about it, 50% of your income is a lot of money. So if you are trying to live in the high-rise and that's 70% of your income, then, no, you can't afford to go to everybody's birthday, right? And so for me, I have 27 line sisters. If I'm already overspending, I'm not making it to everyone's birthday. And that's just the line, sisters. we're not even talking about the friends and the family. So you really have to recognize that 50% of your income is a lot of money. So you, you're either living way above your means or your your literal expenses are too much. And then the third thing, which I do have to have this conversation with people, is that you don't make enough money to even budget your way out of the fact that you can't live on this income. So I have to tell people, they... You either need to ask for, you need to negotiate a salary increase with your current boss. You need to get a new job where you can get a salary increase, or you need to get a side hustle or a business. Those are realistic conversations I have to have with people. So you really have to figure out which one is it for you. Most of us are just spending more than we bring in. Okay, we can manage that. Maybe instead of spending $1,000 on myself, I reduce it down to 600 And then what I always tell my clients is once you figure out how much you can afford to spend on yourself, A month, probably about four or five hundred dollars divided by four, and each week that's how much money you have to spend on yourself. So, for me, sometimes I might do four hundred, sometimes I might do five hundred. That's a hundred dollars a week. Now, I I typically do a lot of free stuff too because we're in DC, so you get to break down okay, if I have seven hundred to spend on myself break it down by the week. This is how much I can spend. So, what you're not doing is at the the last week or two weeks of the month, you're broke and you're waiting for the next check. That's how you avoid that. But you really got to figure out what is the reason that I am coming up short and then address it from that standpoint.
2: Did you say there was free events in DC cuz where are they at? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what free?
0: Oh, this is my girlfriend right here in the I'm gonna call it right, oh, right here, right? Oh, there's a
2: free event. I just realized it's free. Bill, my girlfriend,
0: are we not going to the movies on Wednesday um, to sit on the lawn and do something?
2: Yeah, so um, outdoor free movies. I'm not to find that
1: in local areas. We live in the National Gallery of Art and have a free event. And the only thing you might have to pay for are your drinks. Typically, we take the metro around DC, so we don't actually have to pay
0: for parking. I know a lot of people don't like the metro up here.
2: But you can't afford to park. Is what you saying? Like sometimes like, you, you <laughs> got to make some decisions. So, so you got to metro. Now
0: yeah. I'm, I'm asking her because she found this event. So today's event. Free. Somebody said this was free. We drink in Prosecco. I, where do where do we do that at, right? So you do have to find free events. Get on Eventbrite. Um I had a store tell me every Wednesday she gets on Eventbrite and she figures out what events am I gonna go to that are free from Thursday until the following Monday. She takes Tuesday off, I guess. So so get on Eventbrite. You gotta find but you gotta remember am I gonna spend money and be broke at the end of the month, and then that affects my emotion my time management, or am I going to be able to find Find free events in my area. It's not hard, y'all.
2: Not in D.C. One more question, kind of leading off of what I was talking with Dee about, and what you just um, said to your to your babe Ashley, the AKA. Um, <laughs> I just that that also means that you have to have a conversation with people. So when you have twenty seven line sisters and you can't go to all of their birthday parties because your budget is saying not right now, sis, or you want to date your babe and have a nice experience, how do you have these difficult conversations with people without feeling shame, right? Like, without feeling like, dang, I just don't have the money, and now they're going to be looking at me like I'm some broke bitch, right? As opposed to, I'm trying to be responsible, and that may mean I can't come and hang, like, how do you even, how do you help your clients with those difficult conversations around
0: money the art of saying no right and so i know i have 27 licenses i know some stores in here are like girl that's child's play but that's a lot of people We 78 <laughs> but but to me that's a, that's a lot of people and so you have to master the art of saying no so when i first started budgeting i was telling everybody no i'm talking about you even looked in my direct no it's not gonna happen can you no but it's no. The answer was just no, because I was trying to dig myself out of a hole that I had created by going to college and then law school and all that good jazz. So once you master the art of saying no, you also have to master how you feel about what you think other people are thinking of you. So like you said, oh, how can I have this conversation without people thinking I'm a broke bitch? I don't personally care. You think I'm a broke bitch, but I got $5,000 But what about the people that do care? What about the people that do care? You have to manage that right? Like you, and I'm sure we'll talk about emotions. You have to manage what other people's perception of you, how that's going to affect you. Now that is challenging. I, and I advocate for having a therapist working through a lot of that. But when it comes to saying no, you always have to remember the end goal of a thing. We always, I always tell my clients, we start at the end. So at the end of the day, we want to buy a house. We want to get a car. We want to pay off this credit card. If I go to Three trips with my homegirls to Jamaica, New Orleans, and somewhere else. And then I go to five birthday California. dinners. <laughs> Shots taken? Oh, yeah. yeah. Brazil, somebody said, right? Am, if I do all of that, at what point am I actually focusing on the goals that I have for myself? So when you talk about saying no to people, you do it in mind with what you have going on. And you can tell people that. I tell my friends all the time. I can't go with you to, I think we just turned somebody down yesterday. I can't go with you to Columbia because we're trying to uh go to an event in February, and we're trying to go to Essence Fest in July, and we're trying to pay off, you know, another car or something. And tell them that. People, your friends and family are going to be way more understanding. And, in fact, by doing that, I've had a lot of friends and family say, girl, how you do that? Let let me ask you a couple questions about how you decided you were going to, and so it starts a conversation, but I don't think you should ever feel embarrassed about needing to say no because you have goals that are a little different than what your friends are doing at the time.
2: Absolutely. Any questions from the audience so far? I was supposed to be collecting these bowls, but everybody didn't put it in. Yes, ma'am, Erin.
0: I am taking clients. Again, blackgirlbudget.com. I will review your budget. If you want to send it to me, I will look over your budget and say, you're spending too much or you're spending too much there. What I typically recommend is doing a budget review and consultation. We will talk via Zoom for an hour. You'll tell me what your goals are, and then I will send you a full packet and say, this is your new budget. Here's when you should be expected to hit your goals. I will create one for you. Yes. So I, I will review your budget. I will do a consultation and review it. Or I will cre- I, the client who was making six figures. I created a whole budget for her. We found out like every month she was sending eighty dollars to Amazon. She had no idea what it was. What? Yeah. I was like, what is this nineteen ninety nine? Oh, I don't know. What's this nineteen ninety nine? I don't know. Like it was significant. And then I think she had one company that was just automatically taking money. She had no idea what it was. I googled it. It was a scam.
2: So I will create a budget for you. We will walk through everything and I'll send you a full packet back. You know, what's crazy about that in May when I started doing my budget, I started realizing I, I realized that I was paying to remove ads for a game that I didn't even have on my phone anymore. Does that ever happen? Like, you're like, I don't want to see this. I'm going to just pay this three ninety nine, and you don't realize that in six months it turns into thirty nine ninety nine. Like they be getting you, yo. That's called team filching f i l c h i n g so
0: what it is is and this is for all my people who make six figures and you or you make a good amount of money for you with no kids companies will somehow get your information whatever it's typically a scam they'll take Two ninety nine every month, so it's not a lot of money. And you're like, ah, oh, two ninety nine, whatever, right? You don't even see it because you're making so much money. Plus, you're at brunch drinking prosecco, so it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> so the two ninety nine is coming out. That's that's fine, right? It's three bucks a month. Nobody cares. But if you look around this room, if everybody in this room is having three dollars filched from them every month, then the scammers are starting to collect this money. Now, if we do that with a thousand people, we making bank, right? So. It's really playing on our refusal to either look at our income or to acknowledge, um, I don't know what this is, let me get rid of it. And I've had clients who've had that issue too. It's like, I think it was um, like an old streaming service from like the early 2000s that was taking money from them. So you do have to be careful about what's being taken from your account.
2: Which means that we have to actually be looking at our bank accounts, right? Like, and I think that sometimes that becomes, I, I keep going back to this scary piece because fear is one of those emotions that'll paralyze us and we'll just stay doing the same thing over and over because we're so afraid of looking and trying something new. I made a blog a couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago about like broke budgets and self-awareness. Like there's so much that you learn about yourself when you start looking at your actual bank account and your money like. I'm spending a whole lot of money over here and no money over here or too much over here and things like that. Um, so thank you for that, Nikki. And I,
0: I would just add, D, you can probably talk to this about time management as well. Um, a lot of us don't look at our bank accounts because we think it's going to take a lot of time, right? Give yourself one minute a day. You, The first thing I do in the morning is check my bank account. I just like to look at the money. <laughs> I'm looking at all this money. This is great. I give myself one minute in the morning. I log in. I say, okay, there are no weird charges. There's nothing that happens between yesterday and today that I don't recognize. And that one minute is a drop in the bucket compared to the rest of your day. Now, of course, I close out my app and I get on TikTok and Instagram. But again, my money is good for the rest of the day. So I'm sure, Dee, you can probably talk to that as like managing how long does it actually take you to look at your finances?
2: I think another question for Dee that connects to that is what are we doing around procrastination, right? Like So we have these these goals. We have our time management strategies. We have all of these things going on. We have these full plans. And we're like, yes, I'm about to do this. It's reasonable. It's measurable, all of this stuff. And then we procrastinate. I, yesterday, I was supposed to be writing the blog, right? Shout out to Jess, who's probably going to be mad at me later because I didn't finish. And But I found myself being like, well, let me wash these dishes instead. Let me do this laundry. Let me walk the dog. Let me just sit here and do whatever. Right. And so we don't actually manage the time because we're
1: procrastinating.
2: What do you say to your clients who have a history of procrastination?
1: Well, first, of course, you want to find the root cause. There are several things that you can do to avoid procrastination. (laughs)
2: Can you say that word one more time? (laughs) Root cause? I wasn't talking to you, Megan. (laughs) Sorry, guys. That's my wife. I was talking to Dina, the expert. Go ahead, D. What were you saying, Don't put me in the middle of that.
1: Don't 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 do that to me. Anyway, you want to find the root cause of why you're procrastinating. Are you fearful? Have you not made a plan? Is this a difficult task that you need to move to a portion of the day where you have the most energy? Um, Are you looking at time blocking? Are you doing similar tasks? There's also a concept called deep work and shallow work. So again, with the energy, I'm big on that. Those places where you have the most energy for me, that's 10 to 2. All of my deep, concentrated work, I'm putting in that time slot. I've only got one thing to do at that time, so I'm doing it then. Then I'm checking emails. Then I'm washing dishes and all the other things that you mentioned that don't take so much of my mental load, if you will. I'm going to put all of that stuff and do that deep work, and I'm not answering the phone. My phone's not even in the room. It's off. It does not ring. My phone does not ring. Again, I'm a grad student, so <laughs> my phone does not ring. I'm taking the watch all because I don't need it to buzz. I need to take that consolidated bit of time, whether that's 30 minutes, an hour, 20 minutes, and I'll talk more about different techniques of time blocking later, and dumping all of those resources into that one period. And then I'll answer email and then I'll check social media. I might even post when I have time.
2: So one of the things I also heard you say there is that you remove your watch because the watch can serve as a distraction, too. And not just the Apple watch, but this whole concept of, you know, Just general time. Right. So it gets overwhelming. So for some practical solutions, you're turning your phone over, you're removing your watch and you're using that time to do
1: one specific task. Right. So typically there's a one, three, uh, one, three, one, three, five rules. Sorry, I had to think about it. One big thing, three medium things, five small things. And you want to use that throughout the day. So in that one big thing, maybe about a lot of two hours, I'm going to get up in five-minute increments to do during that two hours. But during that big thing, no distractions. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hear anything. If I need to be on time for something, I'll set a timer. It's usually in my kitchen, so I hear it. I'm not watching it, but I hear it when it goes off. So that works for your deep work. When you move into those shallower spaces, maybe you can put your watch back on but turn off the notifications. So you can glance at the time and make sure you're hitting the time slots that you may have written down for specific items.
2: So how do you determine What's one, what's three, and what's five? Because I can imagine that some of us think that this particular task is a one. And so we have some threes over here and come to find out our supervisor thinks that this three should be a one, right? And we have some fives over here, but whatever's in that five somehow ends up finding itself in a one category. Like, how do you determine what's really a one? What is really deep work
1: that I have to prioritize during my peak, best hours? Right. So that's really up to you. Um, There's lots of methods you could use. So there's the do, there's the defer, there's the outsource. So anything you don't love or you're not able um, to do, you outsource. Pay somebody to clean your house. You pay Instacart that extra money to go get your groceries because you've saved time, which is now money because you're still a small business, right?
2: I know you're about to piss Nikki off real quick. No, I love
1: this. I got a story <laughs> for that. <laughs> Sorry, Nikki, but be mindful of your budget. Stay within your budget. I budget for my extra $10. It takes for Instacart because I need that time to study. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, So looking at what is... And it it depends on who you are. So for me, tedious little things, because I'm a big picture person, that takes a lot of my energy. It drains me. So I need to do those things when I'm in high energy, and then I need to plan something that's going to re-energize me, what's going to inspire me. If that's taking a walk, if that's talking to a friend, if that's laughing at the five memes that I now have on my phone because I didn't pay attention to it, I'm going to do that for five minutes to pick my energy back up because that's renewable while my time is not.
2: What's your story, Nikki? Okay, so...
0: By day, I'm actually a lawyer. Um, I don't like what? to tell people that because I feel like lawyers are not good people. But anyway, um, <laughs> I would tell people that. So, um, I, so, so by day, I'm a lawyer, and my boss uh, comes into work one day, and he's, like, so flustered. I was like, oh, my gosh, boss, what's going on? He's like, I had to clean the kitchen this morning. I had to clean it again. I'm thinking... Yeah, it's a kitchen. Like, oof, we clean the kitchen every day. And he's like, no, 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 You don't understand. I had to fire my cleaning staff because they broke something in the shower or something like that. Fired them two weeks ago. So I've been cleaning my kitchen for two weeks. When I you out, the man was flustered. Like, didn't know what to do with himself. So I said, well, I don't understand. Like, It's just the kitchen. Well, I cleaned the kitchen last night, and then my kids woke up this morning, and they ate breakfast, and they didn't put any of their bowls in the sink. They left everything up. He is so upset. I was like, bro, your kids are like 12. Just tell them to put it, you know, put the bowls in the sink. And so I, I asked him. I was like, why do you even have a cleaning staff? Like, I don't understand. And he's like, Listen. I make a lot of money, and, and he does make more money than me, so he's like, I make a lot of money. The time it would take me to clean my kitchen, I could be doing more work, which is going to give me more money. So he's like, he's like you make a lot of money. You need to figure out if cleaning your kitchen is worth it. My mama would slap me if I said clean in my kitchen. And we're like, what what are we talking? This is such a privileged thing to say. And so he really broke it down in numbers. He's like, if it takes you four hours to clean your kitchen, like really clean, you are cleaning the, the top to the bottom, sweeping, mopping. Let's say it takes you a solid four hours. The fridge, behind the stove, everything. Four hours. Let's say you make $50 an hour. $200. $200. He said, I pay my cleaning staff $200 for the month. It'll Something insignificant compared to what it costs, right? So he's like, I pay them that for the month and they come in every other week and do a deep clean. Now, if you think about it, you don't really need to deep clean your kitchen that often because you're really not getting it that dirty, right? You You maintain it. And so when he put it in perspective of numbers, I thought, that's brilliant, but a lot of people can't really afford that. So one thing I do tell people is just because you're on a budget doesn't mean that you can't afford luxury things. I, I I would consider someone coming to clean my house to be luxury, right? You That doesn't mean you can't afford luxury things, especially if it's going to affect your time and your money. So maybe you have someone come in once a month, and they do a top-to-bottom. You maintain it through the month. So when you start to put it in in perspective like that, when we talk about time in, in relation to money, there are things that maybe you can afford, things that maybe you should prioritize because on the back, you will make more money
2: by rearranging your time. I love that. I um I get to teach an entrepreneurship course at Hopkins. I started the course, introduced it, and all that kind of stuff, entrepreneurship and mental health. And one of my students is here today, Anonia. And that's one of the concepts that we're consistently talking about in the class in terms of, like, when... You have to think about how much time it takes to do a particular task and how much money you lose by doing that particular task. Are you losing money or gaining money? And that's that connection between time management and money management. Because sometimes we're doing things that we don't need to be doing and subsequently we're wasting time and we can't make any money, right? So, like, how do we really balance that out, especially when we're thinking about having side hustles and side businesses and things like that? um i know both d and nikki you guys had some questions that you guys said you wanted to ask each other at some point he was like i got a question for you and i got a question for you and i was like wait till we get to the panel so if you have any questions go ahead and ask those questions otherwise we're going to break out into our group so you guys can ask very more uh much more specific questions to your your specific uh life
0: so I do have a question for you, D. Um, are you currently accepting clients, and what is the process like to work with you? And then how do you get people to focus on like their goals and then putting in work toward their goals? Okay,
1: that's a lot. You make me give all my trade secrets away. Yes, I am accepting clients. Um, typically, we do an initial conversation to see if we meshes people. The coach client relationship is kind of intimate like i'm the person you're gonna tell a lot of stuff you wouldn't tell your friends so you kind of have to like the human that i am right and i gotta like who you are because i'm gonna challenge you i'm gonna ask you the hard questions and you've got to be able to accept that and so that comes with building rapport building synergy and making sure that we're able to work together um, so that's the first step. Then we just kind of walk through and outline what it is that you want to do. The difference between a coaching session and a lot of other sessions is that clients run the show. If you say, I want to work on time management today, that's what we're going to work on. Now, I might be making some notes about some other behaviors you might need to change, and we're going to circle back to that. But <laughs> we do what you want to do first, and we stay focused on those goals. Absolutely. Dee, did you have any questions? I did. We were having a conversation and, oh, that's what it was. You were running the numbers on poverty, and we were talking about how we are able to be in a different space in this generation. And I guess my question is, how do you manage your parents? And their expectations or even your own desires to help them. When you may be in a different place, but you're not quite there where you can buy mom a house and all like that <laughs> good you know, how do you manage that?
0: I love this scenario because it really encompasses time, money, and emotion management. Um, And so some of us are in a space where we're making good money, but we really want to help our parents because our parents are great, They really, or or your guardian or family, whoever, they really helped you get to where you are today and you're living the life, right? And So you're like, I really want to buy my mom a new house or a car or um, a Birkin, a Brahmin, whatever the thing is. You want to buy your parents something, but you really can't afford it just yet. So I always say... Again, start with the end goal. So whatever you want to buy your parent, how much does that thing cost? It it could be anything. It could be a brand-new car. Let's say it's a car. It's $10,000 down and maybe your parents will take the payment. How do we get to that $10,000? How long is it going to take us? Is it going to take us away from our personal goals? And you have to ask yourself about your personal goals because what I found is, and I have a, a couple clients who did this, um, they were so busy giving one of their kids so much money to maintain the child's lifestyle that it ultimately affected how much they were investing for retirement. So now here they are, retired, and they had not been
2: putting us a little money. too close to home. <laughs> they closed my blazer
0: <laughs> i'm exposed i'm not hitting on anyone anyone specific person right now, but um they they're in retirement now, and to retire we're looking at about one point five million dollars um in your right like depending on where you live and your lifestyle, it could be more but if you have one point five million, you can get away with retirement, but remember it's based on how old you are when you retire, and then life expectancy, right? And Are you going to be retired for 40 years or 10 years? That's going to make a difference. So needless to say, this uh, these clients of mine had been giving their child so much money to sustain the child's lifestyle that it affected their own personal goals. Now, when I say child, I do mean child as in, like, 35. Oh, right, wow. right. Now, their child, to us, grown-ass adult, <laughs> all the people in the back are like, absolutely not. So... So when we talk about how do we want to help other people, whether it's the generation before us or the generation after us, how is it going to affect our goals that we have right now? So I put away money for my niece and nephews, but they ain't getting a lot, right? They're all under the age of 12. Y'all get $50 every month, but that's not a significant effect on my goals. So when we talk about I want to do something for my parents, maybe buying them a car is not realistic. Maybe getting them a house is not realistic, but there's something else you can do. Can y'all do a vacation? can you get them a really nice birthday gift that's reasonable and isn't going to affect your goal so you do have to manage how is it going to affect me but then also the emotion of that don't beat yourself up that you can't buy your parents a house like it's really not your job to buy them a house and I know in certain situations where like my mom grew up in XYZ household I want to make sure that she has the chance to experience a two story house or I want to make sure my dad has a chance to experience traveling overseas work your way up to that but make sure it doesn't deter you from your own goals. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Thank y'all. So our, the, next ro- the next thing we're going to do is our breakout sessions, right? And each of the panelists, including myself, I haven't talked a lot about emotional management because I really wanted you to hear from Dee and Nikki as well. Um, we're going to be broken out and you're going to ask very specific questions that you have for them. And every 15 minutes, we're going to rotate so you can hear from every single person. They've been intentional about what's happening in their breakout groups, right? Like they have specific questions and te- techniques and tips that they want to be able to give to you. So make sure you spend time in their in their breakout groups as well. So this is going to be the last time that we're together like this. We're going to go to the breakouts. You guys are going to fill up your drinks, your Prosecco, all that kind of stuff break out, mingle, see the vendors, and all of that good stuff. What I want to say before we end is thank you very much, and in this format. Thank you very much, both Dee and Nikki. And I want to give some shout-outs to um, our folks that created our honorarium boxes. So my very close friend and assistant, Shahida uh, Abdul-Latif, was intentional she knows my spirit and my heart and i said make something beautiful so you all have some different um items from black owned vendors many of those black owned vendors are here with us today whether it's district homes or it's accent funny acting black girls and vegan queen cuisine um so you guys have products in there from them also blue nile which is a black owned crystal and incense uh Business that's located on Georgia Avenue. So I want all of you guys to consider continuing to support black owned businesses, especially as we go through the holiday season. It's real tempting to buy a whole bunch of stuff from a whole bunch of people, but when we want to create black wealth in our communities, we have to support our black businesses. The last thing I want to say is make sure you guys follow. Um, our recordings for onyx therapy group on our podcast so this particular panel will be on the podcast within the next couple of weeks so make sure you give it out to people as well as the grown-ass women which is a podcast of my friends where we're talking about real life stuff and putting mental health spins on it so we're talking about marriage and infidelity and money and all the things soulmates. mates um, as well as our teen talks, which is specific for teens. So if you have teens in your life that are wanting to have some um, really good conversations about what's happening around them, but they don't necessarily know what to listen to. Like those teens took over Roe versus Wade, like 15, 16-year-olds talking about Supreme Court decisions. It was amazing to listen to. So make sure you reach out to them as well. The podcast is called Onyx Therapy Group, The podcast. I know. I'm not creative in those ways, but you're going to see a woman with some locks and a, a, a brain that's doing a whole lot. Thanks, Jess. Um, but then before that, let's go ahead and get your contact information for both Nikki and then D, and then we're going to refill our cups and get to these breakout sessions.
0: So I do give out a lot of free information and tips that you can implement in your everyday life on the Black Girl Budget podcast. It is on the Black Girl Budget YouTube channel. We're trying to hit 200 subscribers this month. Uh, so you can subscribe on YouTube and then the podcast the audio is also on Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, all the places. Um, and then as well as blackgirlbudget.com if you would like me to review your budget with you or create one. Um, and then there's also an option to just do a general consultation where we just I'm your soundboard and you say girl this is what I want to do but I don't know how to get there and we talk about that Um, that's under the coaching tab on the Black Girl Budget website and then you can follow me on TikTok Twitter and Instagram at Black Girl Budget and that's it
1: come on Black Girl Budget all right Alright, right, and I can be found at KennedyDeanCoaching.com. I'm also on Instagram at the same thing or Obsidian Soul. Also, I'm going to shout out Grown-Ass Women because I'm on that too. So come listen to us and subscribe to the podcast.
2: Yes, come on, subscribe. I forgot about that part, huh? (laughs) And our Instagram is Onyx Therapy Group. We are found on all platforms as Onyx Therapy Group. And then, of course, my own personal is Mahogany Sunshine. So shout out to our panelists.